You kind of learn a lot from it just by watching it. It created an entire new genre. I didn't realise how much 90s had like an aesthetic. And I think this is 90s down to 11. I still refer to my period as surfing the Crimson Wave as a result of this film. It's such a wonderfully well put phrase. There's so much warmth and I just really love Brittany Murphy in this. She's just so adorable. It's so perfectly told. It's so perfectly updated as well. The same satire that Jane Austen's trying to say about how just by being true to yourself, you can find true love and true happiness. I think that's beautiful. Everyone in the cast is on their A game in this film. Hello, film fans. Joining us today, we have Esther. Hello. Jess. Hey. And as always, Kobe. Hey. And we're here to review Clueless. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to Flix Washer Podcast. Joining us today, we have Esther and Jess. If you would like to say hello and tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. I'm going to let Jess go first. Okay. Um, my name's Jess. I am co-host with Esther for the Well Spoken Tokens podcast, where we talk about how to make the cultural sector in more intersectional to build up people who are historically marginalized within the sector and try and make it a bit more equal for everyone. Uh, we have guests on each week and all of our episodes are themed. Um, so do find us at Well Spoken Tokens uh, on Twitter and on Spotify as well. Uh, I personally have a business called uh, Intersectional Glam. GLAM stands for Galleries, Libraries, Archives and Museums, where I do training sessions and work towards um, basically doing the practical stuff to make museums, libraries and galleries and museums more intersectional. Um, you can check out my work on intersectionalglam.org. I never heard of the term GLAM for that collective of cultural phenomena, for want of a better word, because uh, it sounds it's, it's a great acronym. Um, Thanks. Tell us a bit more about that because it's, it's the first time I've heard it, and it's I immediately want to go glam rock. There must be some kind of yeah. Music I mean, it just seems like a really natural kind of combination for that sector where you're telling stories and you're using research and history. So yeah, it's not necessarily specifically very glam, um, but it yeah, it does encompass sort of all of that work where you know you're meeting the public and you're telling stories from archives and telling the history of the world in different ways. Yeah, the glam part is to describe me. Not yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is mainly jazz. <laughs> um, but I, it was historic, not historically, but it was used in the past. It's still used in places like the US and Australia. So I've just just adopted it within the name. Nice. Well, okay. So today we are talking about Clueless, which is quite glam. Yes. 
I, I wonder who chose this film and uh, Esther beforehand, she was brandishing a DVD, which is something of a, a, an old artifact. This is the kind of thing you see in a museum now, kids. Oh, wow, um, this is it. Actually, I, because the artifact I did want to bring and I've lost it, I'm really annoyed. I have the original soundtrack on cassette. I did own it on video. I have owned every incarnation of this film. I do really <laughs> love it. <laughs> Tell us what it is. Tell us your the synopsis and a, a bit more why you picked it. Um, so Clueless is about Cher, who is a uh, a Beverly Hills elite teenager. Um, she likes to think she knows everything, and she has there's a transfer student called Ty who moves to her school. A lot of what she thinks she's doing is really like um, helping other people and just you know interfering in people's lives. She meddles in her teacher's life, she meddles in Ty's life, but then she gets a bit of self-actualization as she goes along and you realise that she has an amazing heart and that she is someone who's really relatable. So yeah, Cher, regular teenager, maybe not so regular, but her high school life, it just brings everything to the world and I picked it because it's an adaptation of Emma by Jane Austen. Um, I didn't know that at the time I watched it originally, but if you've read Austen, it is amazing at doing that sort of social satire. Helen, Jess, how many times do you guys watch Clueless? Was it, is this a film you grew up watching? Does it, do you, did you go to see it in the cinema? What? Tell me your history behind it. Um, I didn't see it at the cinema, but I've seen it a lot. Double figures, at least. Yeah, I've definitely lost count of how many times I've seen it. It's like a good sleepover film, isn't it? Just, <laughs> it's just a cute film. I guess it is just a cute film. I mean, I've, I've only seen it. Maybe I remember it coming out. I didn't see it in the cinema. But it's, um, I remember it just being like a high watermark of like teen films and probably changed a few things, a few, yeah, probably catalyzed the fact that teen film, films were a thing and people were interested in, in teen movies. It was a, a good example of like a soundtrack that was, was current and it was so 90s. Like, I mean, yeah. looking, looking back, I remember coming out, I think I was into Radiohead a lot at the time. So that was one of the things that interested me. I was like, oh, there's, a, there's an American film with Radiohead. Yeah. And it was the Ben's Radiohead's era, which I, I, then, I didn't realise they kind of transferred over. But it was so, but looking back at it now, it's like, oh, my God, this is painfully 90s. It's like the mm. most... You say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> it created its own lexicon. It created its own dialogue. And, you know, there are things that you can say and you only know that that comes out of Clueless. Mm. Um, it was so special. I mean, I did watch it at the cinema. Um, and again, I probably saw it a few times with my friends. I remember, I think probably it was just 17, but definitely one of the magazines I was reading at the time published the <laughs> lexicon. Um, like, And so I was like, before I went, I was like, yeah, I can refer to Barney's. I was like, yeah, whatever. Making I used it in the appropriate context. I still You're the only my- person I know that refers to slang as lexicon. <laughs> Like I'm a brummy blurred. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I still refer to my period as surfing the crimson wave as a result of this film. It's such a beautifully, <laughs> such a wonderfully well put phrase. It's fantastic. That's not from that film, though. I think that was before the film. That they just. Well, it, it popularized it. Yeah. But it also introduced me to Paul Rudd, which I'm forever grateful. Was he doing anything before that? But it was the first film I'd seen him in. I saw him in this before, Rome and Juliet, whereas probably quite a lot of people might have seen him in that. Yeah, I think he'd done some TV stuff. Yeah, Paul Rudd. 
<laughs> he's an absolute Barney. Yeah, I mean, he's charming and he's really sweet and he's got that great smile. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, the film for me is not just a love letter to Paul Rudd, but if he weren't convincing as someone who could be kind of quite mean to share and then still be someone that she falls in love with, then the whole film would fall apart. And all of the characters, I think, individually, you fall in love with them and you think these are really kind-hearted people, they aren't mean-spirited, um, they deserve the happiness they get, it's really earned, and they do go on a journey, and I think it's really beautiful. I think you've, the, the, the key thing for me about this, that they are all doing this from the kindness in their heart and there's just no kind of negativeness and, you know, there's so much warmth and I just really love Brittany Murphy in this. She's just so adorable. Do you guys kind of feel that, well, this is my, I kind of feel like, well, can you not let people be people? But, I mean, obviously the the the, the relationship they got together with, with the, the teachers ended up positively. But this kind of meddling, is there any any downside to that, do you guys reckon? I think it's really funny because the meddling was just to make their lives easier with the teacher. Mm. Um, it did end up being a really lovely thing that they did. Um, I found, like, you know, you think about being wholesome, like the whole, like, oh, God, I'm going to sound so old. But, like, so many, like, teenage dramas and stuff, it's just, like, kids having sex when they're, like, 14 and, like, doing those with drugs and drinking. I'm like, this is hopefully not real life for lots of people. But I enjoyed in in Cher where Dion was, like, uh, in a really, in a committed relationship, but then she was like, oh, no, we waited until, like, whenever or we haven't done it. There was, like, a lot of really open talk about um, sex and sexuality, Choosing when you're ready. Yeah, choosing when you're ready and being like not being shamed for being a virgin. Um, and apart have, from when she goes, "You're a virgin who can't drive." Everyone's allowed a low moment in the spell, and everyone has those little moments. Again, she's regretful afterwards. She shows humility. She realizes that that was way harsh, Ty. It was way harsh, <laughs> but I do. I do love, I love that about the film. It was very much like everyone just does and goes at their own pace. Um, even the character whose name I forget, who she kind of re- is really into at the beginning, um, but has is like very coded as being gay. Oh, Christian. Come out yet. Yeah, Christian. Um, and I like that she kind of just let him go at his own pace. It was all very like... No judgment for a lot of it. Although there was that one scene where she tried, someone tries to sexually assault her, yeah. and then she like kicks them off in the car, and she's like, in her monologue in her head, she's like, "What a day! This happened. This happened." And then someone tries to sexually assault me, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I don't remember that scene like in it at all. But I liked that they named what it was. She was obviously shook by it, but then they just kind of moved on, um, which was like a really good like not a good way of explaining like right. the experience of being a woman but like i was like well yeah you do just kind of move on when when stuff like that happens i guess it's interesting that when you when she says sexual socks i think that might have been glossed over a lot more when this when this first came out yeah. it's like oh this is not you men but now that does take more relevance and i think people do think oh that is sexual assault if it's not wanted no yeah. matter what what you're going for is still an assault that's un- unwarranted. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of hit me a bit more this time. And she very clearly says no several times. 
he's very yeah. clearly, no, it was a game we were playing suck and blow. No, I'm not interested in this. And he's like, oh, come on. Oh, come on. Very pressure, very teenage boy, I have to say, like sometimes in some of the experiences I've had. Um, not all of them, but, you know, you can get that thing where it's like, oh, do you know what? Come mm. on. Like that cajoling, that, oh, this is harmless with, you know, and she stands her ground. It's really, really impressive that yeah. she does stand her ground. And obviously she pays for it in losing, like, getting mugged straight afterwards. But she gets mugged and it's like this Cher. And by that point, you're completely in love with her. So you're like, oh, my God, Cher. Also, she reminds me of Barbie and I loved Barbie, um, which I just realised. She is, like, a, a really big-hearted real-life Barbie doll. And I wanted her I wardrobe. That, that... I wanted every single thing that she wore, every single thing Dion wore in that film. The fashion stands up. My favourite thing, which I sometimes, which I still do to this day, is when she goes, I don't trust mirrors. I take photos of everything that I wear <laughs> to check that it looks good. <laughs> and it's interesting... I was going to say about um, Elton's behaviour because most other teen films would have made that out to be romantic and would have maybe, you know, celebrated his persistence and that be something that, you know, is kind of rewarded, where in this film, basically, he's written off after that. So it's quite interesting that it doesn't follow a lot of maybe romantic tropes that were around. Mm. And also, when you're saying about the meddling, it's when things start to go bad for Cher when he, she tries to meddle too much with Ty and it's only after she kind of lets Ty be herself that things kind of settle out for yeah. her a bit more. So even though she does meddle, she kind of realises that actually it's not what Ty wanted and she should step back and not try and control people and, and you know, everything sort of soothes its way out. Yeah, It's kind of interesting because she, she's clearly Ty was interested in the skateboard guy from the start Yeah, and is... And there was a there was a kinship there, like for, right from the start, that could have happened. It was only because of Cher and and Dion said, "No, no, no, you want you want Elton, um, you, no, you want Elton." So he's he's the guy for you. That's that's suddenly um, Ty was like, "Yeah, actually, Elton is really cool," and she becomes infatuated with him, yeah. even though. And that's really straight out of Jane Austen. Time. That's straight out of Jane Austen. That is literally. I mean. It, it isn't a light retelling of Emma. It is full on Emma. There's, you lose a couple of characters, but that whole scenario is for people who are fans of the novel. That's perfect. It's so perfectly told. It's so perfectly updated as well. And the same satire that Jane Austen's trying to say about how just by being true to yourself, you can find true love and true happiness. I think that's beautiful. And that's 18th century writing that comes through. Yeah, what Helen you said about I I did comment about painfully nineties. I didn't mean that in a negative way, but it's just like I didn't I I I think until rewatching this film, I didn't realise how much nineties had like an aesthetic. And I think this is nineties down to eleven. But then there are, you know, obviously when you watch Friends, it's like, yeah, that's nineties. But I think there's not as as like out there as the eighties was in terms of um an aesthetic. But this is where it's like yeah, this could only have been made in, in the 90s. Um, what, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Are there, are there any other 90s films that kind of stick you out as like, oh, yeah, this is this is, this is is peak 90s? Reality Bites and Singles. And more recently, there's mid-90s, which is obviously a new film, but that's very 90s. But, yeah, like Singles and Reality Bites are the slightly grungier ones. Yeah. And basically, um, I just wanted to be – I probably wanted to be Winona Ryder more than I did um, – share Alicia Silverstone. 
for me, because it's not so much how iconic the 90s it is, it's like this iconic sort of version of like a teen movie like Mean Girls or Heathers. So you talk about reality vibes. Mm-hmm. Whenever I think about this film, I think about those cliques and I think about Heathers and I think about Mean Girls. And again, what sets this apart is that they aren't Mean Girls, they're nice people. And they do that kind of thing that then gets copied in Mean Girls where they talk about all the different cliques. But actually, it's really nice because it's a really diverse film and it's got these kind of tried to do these narrow narrow stereotypes. But actually, the film's really open for people crossing those boundaries and crossing over them. I I, I really want to say, I don't know if I'm overstating it, but it's like revolutionary. I was going to say, it does loads of things that... um... Basically, in in the casting, you know, it's um, you've got um, Stacey Dash and Donald Faison um, being black characters in it, and it doesn't make a point about having a diverse casting. Whereas now, it seems like when something like The Good Place has diverse casting, we need to make a point and go like, "Oh my God, the casting's so diverse," because we'd obviously had so much shit casting before that we need to go back and make sure that we do have a diverse range of um, people being represented but this kind of did it in such a natural way that I I think we do forget you know it created an entire new genre just from what it did I think the good place isn't a fair analogy because the good place doesn't call that on itself I think there's other people saying look this is what you could have and no point does anyone comment on the fact that Manny is is a Southeast Asian or Chidi Anagonia is from Senegal Ghana, it's not, it's not within the, it's not within the show. It's just like other, I think other people are like, guys, we can we can have diversity in TV without have, making it an issue. So where are the rest of the cast at the moment? Paul Rudd is doing his thing, but have you guys seen Alicia or Donald recently? Yeah, they're all doing a lot of good TV. I mean, I've had a soft spot for Brecken Mayer since this film. I loved Franklin and Bash. And like that was just something that just played into like his comedic strengths, like this kind of happy go lucky kind of character. And he's evolved from being like a teenage stoner into being like this adult joyful like sort of actor. Uh Donald Tyson, obviously he was most known for being in Scrubs and he's doing lots of US mm-hmm. TV. Um, Jeremy Sisto did, I can't remember, it's something like Suburbia, um, that sort of little suburban sitcom, which notably had a Lucia Silverstone on it as a uh, cameo character for a little while. Um, so I mm-hmm. really enjoyed that even now in his career, they're like referencing back to Poulos because it's so iconic. Yeah, and then unfortunately, Stacey Dash is a Fox News. Well, she was. <laughs> I think she's been fired from Fox News now, which that's. I don't know. That's a god. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, you know, they're all pretty much all of them still working. I think the actor who played Christian's not working anymore. Um, but yeah, obviously, the stratospheric rise of Rudd um, was the result of this. And Alicia Silverstone, I think, yeah, she still works. I mean, being in a terrible Batman movie probably doesn't do anything for your career. But, um, well, she came last time I saw her. She was in uh, "Killing of a Sacred Deer," that Yorgos Lanthimos. Uh, oh yeah, which is which almost recognisable. But the Stacey Dash is a strange one, isn't it? Because I, I saw recently like a list of celebrity Trump supporters, and I'm like, oh, first of all, the list isn't that long or interesting. <laughs> Stacey Dash is probably the most interesting, and John Voight is like, when you oh, see John Voight, like I can understand that. Uh, but like Stacey Dash, you're like, really? 
Um, yeah. And then you got Kanye West, who's his, his own thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think one of the main members of the cast we haven't talked about is, is Brittany Murphy's uh, untimely passing, which is when she was she was looking to do good things. And I was like super gutted yeah. when she passed away, which mm. was the best part of the thing, wasn't it? Yeah, only yeah. 32. That was really sad. I recently had a friend text me saying they're watching Clueless and that Brittany Mer- and that Ty reminds I remind them of Ty. <laughs> why? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, why? Um, but, you no, know, I really, I have some really dark sense of humor, so I just don't mess about why, because I'm dead. And then she was like, no, because you're ditzy. And I was like, that's the worst response. But <laughs> Ty is a really nice character, so I'll take it. I think like, she's a feisty ball of energy. She's like, you know what? I am going to stand up for myself. Don't tell me I can't have the man that I want. She's, I think you do have lots in common with Ty. Um, but yeah, Brittany Murphy, um, Sin City, obviously she was in that as well, playing that kind of... Um, happy Feet! She was in Happy Feet and she sang, and it was lovely. Yeah. Uh, and this is it. Uh, the talent on display, and even like the side talent, like the adult cast, you've got Dan Hadaya, who's a really great actor, and the amazing, amazing, amazing Wallace Shawn. I mean, having like this on your resume... <laughs> And also the Princess Bride. I mean, are you just the most iconic actor ever? Possibly. Um, <laughs> yeah, the entire cast and Twink Kaplan. I mean, she's just really, really sweet as Miss Geist. I mean, she could have been like this ditzy character that everyone just sort of laughed at and been comedic value, but actually, you really empathise with her. Everyone in the cast is on their A game in this film. It's such an easy film to watch. It gives a lot. Like, it does seem like, oh, it could be one of these, like, rom-coms that doesn't have a lot of um, heart to it or any kind of substance, but it you kind of learn a lot from it just by watching it and you don't even realise that you're being taught <laughs> anything when you watch it, which I think is, like, pretty amazing. Like, her speech about, like, welcoming the Haitians to the party is always consistently with the character being really compassionate and giving and wanting to do for others and helping out other people. And, yes, she can, she's rich, but that doesn't mean that she doesn't want to help. I think that's really sweet. I think one of the biggest things I liked about Cher was when, when Ty first turns up to school. Um, clearly doesn't fit in maybe from the east coast of things. I, don't, I can't remember where it says she was from exactly. But in in like standard teen movie law, she'd be the one that's kind of ostracized from the start, and people are like yeah. oh, this one. But I, I, I don't necessarily like the meddling side of things. I'll say let's have a makeover. But the fact that she was taken on board like, readily is is a super sweet thing, which I don't think you see uh, enough in this kind of yeah. story. But, but I totally also understand that that kind of meddling that like let's make you fit in is the headspace that teenagers are in and then at the end they realize like no you don't have to fit in you just have to be yourself and then everything will be fine maybe i'm reading into it too much <laughs> no, but um, i know you are i think using your popularity for good and like and that's the whole kind of emma story where knightley um, or josh's character influences her to be a better person and it's that kind of yeah, try to make someone a better person is not a bad thing as long as you don't take it too far. And it's okay to care about clothes and boys and makeup and stuff as long as you also care about other things in the world. Like, they're not mutually exclusive. You can do both. Yeah. Absolutely. And send yourself flowers all the time. <laughs> yeah. what I learned from that film. 
I mean, yeah. I mean, have I ever drawn attention to my lips when I was trying to flirt with someone? Maybe. Um, <laughs> there was some really solid advice in that. <laughs> Guys, I think we should head to the scores. Hello, I'm Sam Pei. And I'm Martin Zotzorstwick. And together we host a show called Song, Song by Song, Song, where we deal with the music of Tom Waits. We've been going since uh, 2015. Every week we talk about a new track. Uh, we've made our way through 15 seasons so far of his music. And now we're going back to the early years. And if you haven't listened to Tom Waits before, it's not the growly stuff. It's not the stuff where he's hitting an automobile with a bone for percussion. <laughs> it's a nice, easy way into his music. If that sounds like something you would be interested in, you should check out our website, songbysongpodcast.com, or put Song by Song into your podcatcher of choice. So uh, the painted, non-painted yet, uh, Flixwatcher scores are all out of five and uh, you can have decimal places if you wish. And Esther, you pick the film. So we'll start with you, please, with your recommendability. Oh, please, five. <laughs> I mean, it is really good. I've got male friends who like it. I don't think it's, I think it's actually quite good for both genders. I think it's funny. It's heartwarming. Really easy to watch, as Jeff said. Um, you will not waste your time with this film at all. You can spend hours just enjoying the positivity and the great acting and the great performances. Yes. Uh, I'd give it a four. I think <gasps> <laughs> just because um, rec- in terms of like I would recommend it um, but I also think it lends itself to a certain kind of audience and not everybody's going to want to watch it <laughs> Helen um, I'm going to give it five I just think it's it's heart is just in the right place and it's funny and it's only one hour and 37 minutes and it's just so bright and breezy and cheerful and the soundtrack's really fun and even if you're kind of like just a little bit curious like you've watched Paul Rudd in like all of the teen comedies and all of the Marvel stuff and you're like I wonder what his first film was like then you'll enjoy watching this so I I wouldn't not recommend it to anyone and I think it's aged really well as well it it doesn't feel like dated and even like her little computer she's got for working out like her outfits doesn't look too shoddy. Like I could totally imagine that as like an app on my phone now. Um, I'm going to go for four as well. I think I, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed this less the more times I watched it. Um, I think the first time I watched it, I was like kind of peak age. I think it was pretty much the same age as those guys at the time. So it was like, well, this is what it could be like. Not in Manchester, when in Beverly Hills. Um, <laughs> and I think there's more interesting takes on the kind of uh, team movie since then, but I'd definitely say watch it. Um, I just think for an older person watching it for the first time, they probably would think, why am I watching this? So, <laughs> um, so I'm getting it for four repeat viewing score. Esther five. I mean, I have to say, I do remember it Mel Gibson accurately. So again, I can rewatch this over and over again. Um, yeah, it's always entertaining, always fun. I'm going to introduce my nieces and nephews to it. Uh, Jess 4.5 I base that um, I base the rewatchability score always on like if I can watch it in whatever mood I'm in yeah so like example Moana I can watch whatever mood I'm in but kudos sometimes I might not be in the mood for it Helen Uh, I'm gonna go 4.5 I've seen this loads and if you for some reason someone said oh i'm gonna watch clueless tonight do you want to watch it i'd be like yeah 
It's quite short. Um, I've seen it loads and I just really enjoy it when I watch it. So yeah, 4.5. Yeah, I'm going to go for 3.5. I'll, I'll keep on watching it, but I don't think I'll be as enthused uh, as previous. Um, and maybe tying a bit into engagement score, I think it's the kind of film, but I'm giving it quite a high score because I don't think it's the kind of film I need to be paying attention to that much. I'm quite happy having it on in the background and uh, twittering about and stuff like that as well. Uh, small screen score. I mean, uh, I am really biased towards this film, but no, you know what? Um, yeah, I think it doesn't lose anything watching it on the small screen. I'm going to give it 4.8 because otherwise I will just seem like a crazed obsessive about this film and I love it. Um, but yeah, uh, 4.8. It's a good one. Yes. I would give it... I didn't get to see it in the cinema, so I don't know what the difference would be. Um Someone please replay it in a cinema so I can go watch it um, when cinemas reopen in the aftertimes, if those will ever exist. Um, I would give it a four. Helen? Yeah, I've never seen this at the cinema. I'm trying to think if it was on at the Prince Charles and it was kind of like a kind of quote-along type thing, would I go along? Mm, maybe I don't like it that much. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to give it a five. I think it works perfectly fine as um, a home movie, and I've only ever seen it at home, so five. Well, I see, I think, was, was it you, Esther, said you, you had it on DVD, and you had the cassette tape soundtrack, yeah, and then you had it on VHS, and then you got the DVD. Was that, was, that, was that a Blu-ray or DVD that you are brandishing before? It was, I don't own a Blu-ray player, it was a DVD. DVD, that's, that's fine. Um but yeah, it's one of those kind of films. It's gone through all the different nations, hasn't it? Um, so with the small screen score, uh, I've only watched it in the small screen, and I've generally I would have watched it in the worst experience, which is a VHS, and not thought anything of it. <laughs> and on Netflix, which would have been a decent quality, um, I was like, yeah, I'm, this is fine. And also, the music was—I remember the soundtrack being a big thing, but it's never like as. Like with a Quentin Tarantino film, the music was so part of the film. It was just like another song in the, in the car or wherever. So it didn't really see. I don't think the score was anything spectacular. What, what do you guys reckon with that? I think it's funny when they talk about the rolling with the homies song. Like I don't mm. even really, really know that song <laughs> properly, but I like use the rolling with my homies all the time, <laughs> yeah. like in general conversations. Even though I don't actually know the whole song and I've only ever heard like the bit that's in the film and then they, they you know they talk about um, Radiohead a fair bit when they're in the, the car and stuff uh, Engagement score Esther um, Oh five I mean I I, can, <laughs> I know it off my heart because I can totally quote it um, I really really enjoy watching it and yeah I will drop things to watch this film Jess Oh this is a hard one I don't know if it's because I've seen it so many times because like you, I can put it on in the background and just pop my head in for my favourite parts um, when I'm doing other things. But inevitably, I probably will stand there for a good half an hour before I remember I need to go do something else again. <laughs> um, so... Is oh, it one of those ways you kind of say, oh, I'll just stay for this bit and then this bit lasts like for 40 minutes and you stood up for 40 minutes? Or like, I'm cleaning, I, I don't know, like maybe I'm organising something but then I'll move everything that I'm organising into the room with the telly so I can like watch it as I'm doing stuff. Um, I'd say I'd give that a four as well for engagement. 
because it does stop it's it stops me in my tracks so it's good helen yeah i'm gonna go for a four as well it's a really easy watch you don't need to be completely glued to it and um you know it kind of just zips along along nicely and yeah four yeah i think this is i'm gonna go for four as well because i think this is a kind of nice kind of level where i'm happy putting it on I'll, i'll lie down on the sofa but then I will be second screening and doing other stuff in the bits I don't find that interesting or, you know, and I don't need to pay attention. So it's, 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 a, it's a nice kind of comfort film that way, isn't it? Mm. Uh, for me, uh, maybe less so for Esther. I need to be sitting there paying attention to every moment. Um, and that gives us an overall score of 4.4250, also, which is which is a decent yeah. score, guys. I expected it to be. Uh, and I didn't think many people would not like this film. So as we say at this point in the every episode, guys, do pause on Twitter because uh, we do put a shout out before we get into the recording and say something like this, which in this case, we're reviewing Clueless with She Geek Beham and Just K Tati from Wellspoken Tees, well, it's Wellspoken Tokens, that's their podcast. Uh, have you seen it? Give us your thoughts and a score out of five stars for an on-air shout out on this very podcast. We had a fair amount of responses. Um, Esther, as this is your film, do you want to take the first tweet? Um, so there was Liam H. Dempsey who said, most directors would be satisfied with revolutionising the teen movie once. But Amy Eckling did it twice. 1882 with Fast Times at Ridgemont High and then all over again here. The script is smart, silly and witty as hell, while Alicia Silverstone oozes star quality four stars. Could not agree more. Other than get less than five stars. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so JB Soundtrack says, like, totally five stars, one of my favourite movies. Love it from its dialogue to the clothes to the gorgeous Brittany Murphy to the ageless Paul Rudd. Um, Audi. Audi. It should be Audi. It's Audi, isn't it? It's in the car. I saw that for the first time with the, because um, I watched it with subtitles on. Um, and it says, I'm Audi, which I, I always thought it's I'm Audi. Like, like, <laughs> I feel like the subtitles got that wrong. <laughs> You feel like it shouldn't be. It should be Alfie or Audi. It's Alfie. I'm Alfie. Yeah, I'm out. Well, let's well let's contact Amy Heckling and ask her. <laughs> Helen. Next one is from Movie Reviews in Twenty Qs podcast. Four stars deserves every good thing said about it, while becoming one of the most nineties film to ever. Nineties film. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell us where we can find you online and say goodbye to everyone listening? Yeah, as we said, the podcast is Well Spoken Tokens. It's on Anchor, it's on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're also on Twitter at well underscore spoken underscore tees. Um, and you can follow us both. Um, I'm G- at Behum and Jess is at Jess K. Becky. Guys, go and listen to the podcast because it's great. And... Um, well, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having Thanks so much for coming on. Bye-bye. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you.
You just heard a stripped media production. 